welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 37, The Budget Guide to Terranoth. Hello! So it's been a while, huh? It's four weeks since the last show. Two weekends ago I was in Miami, I was not able to record. Last week I was just dead tired and did not feel ready for this show yet anyway. Feel felt I need to play the game some more still. Today's show is about the game Rune Age, which is set in the world of Terranoth, the same world as Runebound and Descent and some other games by Fantasy Flight Games. And I'm also going to talk briefly about Solitaire Gaming Month, the first official one-player podcast Solitaire Gaming Month, coming up next month. But first, the news. I actually don't have too much news. I had one... Kickstarter news, but that project unfortunately has ended since I first wrote it down three or so weeks ago. It is a game called Myth, and it did complete successfully, quite successfully. I hadn't followed it, and I'm surprised how much money it made. It's almost a million dollars. I do have one other Kickstarter news, now that I just decided to go looking through Kickstarter again. There is a game called Voyage of the Tereshkova. It is a space exploration card game which supports solitaire play or again or you can play against friends. There isn't much inf- there isn't much information on the Kickstarter project. You'll have to check it out yourself. Looks a little bit expensive. Is a, a copy of the game is going to go for about fifty dollars, and for me it's a little high. Not having any more detail than than basically what I've told you already. My other piece of news: Fifth Column's Fifth Column Games has announced that they will be. That they are hoping to ship where there is Discord and Codeword Cromwell by early June. I guess that means it'll probably be getting to people sometime in June or July. They they basically decided to hold up the shipping of where there is Discord so they could ship both games together to save people on shipping. Otherwise, I get the impression where there is Discord would already be in our hands. Okay, that's it. Not much in the way of news right now. Let's go ahead and jump into the next section, which is Solitaire Gaming Month. So here at the one-player household, May is a rough month. My wife works in a theater, and May is dance recital month. She gets quite busy, and basically I end up not seeing her the whole month. So I'm at home taking care of the kids, so I end up doing... May ends up being an interesting month. I don't have a lot of free time to do stuff, and if I do have time to do stuff, it's probably going to just be solitaire games. I'm not really going to get to go out and meet my friends. So for me, May is just a big solitaire month. Then, on April Fool's Day, on BGG, there is a Geekstarter prank that they played where people can make projects, and for the fun of it, I made a solitaire gaming month Kickstarter campaign, and it actually got funded. Not that that actually meant anything, since the whole thing, again, was just a prank. But I decided to go say, but I decided to say, what the heck? May is solitaire gaming month. So, go out, play a game in May. I have no idea how to celebrate this other than play some solitaire games. I guess I will make a geek list and anybody that plays a solitaire game could go ahead and add it. You know, raise awareness for solitaire gaming or whatever. Play the biggest game you can. I don't know what I will pick for my May solitaire game. I will try and pick something I don't plan to specifically talk about in any upcoming episodes. Because I always end up playing those anyway. Okay, I am going to try and either play Night Fighter by GMT Games... Or the Kaiser's Pirates, also by GMT Games. 
If I remember right, the Kaiser's Pirates is a lot shorter rule book, so it's probably easier to accomplish. So I'm going to go for Night Fighter first, and if I cannot do that, then I'm going to fall back on Kaiser's Pirates sometime in May. I don't know when, but that's it. I am playing it. Darn it. Okay, that's it for my uh, short rant on Solitaire Gaming Month. It's midnight here, so let me just go ahead and jump into the, the last section, which is this episode's game, Rune Age. So Rune Age is a game published by Fantasy Flight Games, designed by Corey Konitska. It was released in 2011. This game, as I said, is set in the world of Terranoth, which is uh, the same world as Runebound, Descent, Rune Wars, and there's another game which also supports Solitaire, RuneQuest maybe or something like that? I don't remember the exact name. Out of those games, three of them support Solitaire Play, which is that Quest game, Rune Age, and Runebound. I think Rune Age is the cheapest of the three. It's a small card game, the same size box as say X-Wing, which is a, it's a square box about 10 by 10 inches. This is the same designer that made, this is the same designer that made Space Hulk Death Angel. I had thought about filling you guys in about the backstory of Terranoth and doing a little research and talking about it. I actually emailed Fantasy Flight to ask him how I could get more information about it because the game doesn't really have much. And they told me to go check on BGG. There's a document somebody put together using text from all the cards and the rule books and that sort of thing from all the different games set in this world. And the document the guy put is actually pretty impressive. You know, I ended up deciding not to tell you about it, but if you're interested in it, go check that out. It's pretty involved. Unfortunately, I found it reads a little bit like The Silmarillion by J.R. Tolkien. I tried reading that once years ago. I found it too dry and too hard to read. And a lot of the backstory for The Sword of Terranoth is sort of in that style. But still, it's pretty neat. It's, it's a neat document. The guy obviously put a lot of effort into putting this together. So what is Rune Age? It is a deck building game. It's a game for one through four players. Each player uses a different deck. Each of the decks is basically a different race. The game also has different scenarios. It, the base game actually brings four different scenarios. Two of those support solitaire play. The other two don't. So when you're going to play a solitaire game, you're going to pick one of the four races and then one of the two scenarios that you could choose from and play through that. If you're familiar with Dominion, I think the game is pretty similar to Dominion, though not quite. Let me go ahead and jump into the components just to go ahead and give you an idea what the game is like. This is a card game, so basically your component are all cards other than a few tokens you get to, to keep track of the damage you take. Each player is going to have a, a race card or a homeworld card. You use that card basically to track your health. If you ever get 20 damage on that card, you lose the game. That's really its sole purpose. Besides that, each player has different troops they could use that they could buy. They, there are... There's also some money cards, and there's some also some neutral cards that you could buy. There are location cards, which there's each player has three location cards, which are strongholds. And there are also cities that you could buy in the game. And finally, there's all the cards that are opposed against you, which is generally the event deck. And the event deck is basically why this game works as a solitaire game. You have to go through the event deck, and it functions as a timer. And in the two scenarios, basically... One scenario, you have to defeat a card in the one of the cards for the event deck. You basically deal 18 damage to it. In the meantime, these event cards are going to be hurting you each turn, adding damage to your homeworld. In the other scenario, the game ends when the deck runs out and you cannot draw another event card, giving you pretty much a, a fixed time limit. Well, more or less a fixed time limit because 
you actually end up reshuffling some of those cards back in. I told you what cards exist. Now let me talk about them in a little more detail. You have Money Card. I don't know if I should talk about this game in a lot of detail. I don't know if I should assume you're already familiar with games like Dominion or not. Let's say you're not. First of all, it's a deck building game. What is a deck building game? This is a game where you start with a small deck of cards. And each turn you're buying cards and adding them to your deck. So as you're playing, those cards you've bought now start cycling in and your deck gets bigger and more powerful. It's an interesting mechanism because there's certain characteristics about it. Generally speaking, the generally speaking, the cards you buy go into your discard pile, so you don't see them right away. You see them later. Every card you've bought will show up at some point in time, but in the meantime, all those other cards you show you've already bought are in there too. The cards tend to be more expensive the better they are. So if you buy a lot of cheap cards, you end up having more cards, which means those really expensive cards show up less often. So you want to balance between buying cheap cards you can get fast and buying expensive cards that you won't get for a while but end up helping you a lot more. So I talked about buying cards. This game has a few different currencies you could buy cards with, which is interesting. Again, compared to Dominion, the basic Dominion game has one currency, which is money, and every card that you buy costs some amount of money. In this game, there's currency, which is money, that could be used to buy troops that are specific to your race. There's also influence, which could be used to buy neutral cards and more money. And there is also strength, which is an attribute of the creatures, of the armies that you buy, generally speaking. And that could be used to attack strongholds and cities and often the enemy cards from the event deck. Now, these three currencies are tied together. For example, the units, the armies, give you strength. Strength could be used to buy realms like strongholds and cities. Those strongholds and cities give you influence, which could be used to buy other units and more money. And then you're back to where you started again. So this is a game where you sort of have to build up everything slowly. Let me describe a turn. Each turn you're going to start your with five cards in your hand. So each turn you could do a number of things with your five cards. If they're money, you could use them to buy other cards, such as units. If they're units, you could use them to attack strongholds or cities or the ev enemy event cards. The other kind of card are tactic cards, which are basically cards you play that have some ability that come into play at that moment in time. For example, some might tell you to draw more cards. There's one that says draw two cards, discard one, and keep the other. So you could play those kinds of cards. The units you could use to attack. The way combat works is if you're, and again, this is specific to the solitaire game, but if you're attacking a city or a stronghold, your strength has to basically equal the defense value of that card you're attacking. Pretty straightforward. If you're going for an enemy, it gets a slightly more complicated in that your unit cards have to total up the enemy's value, but a lot of the enemy cards have your roll of die, and the roll of die, that die either has zero, one, or two skulls. The number of skulls that you roll is how many of your cards you have to get rid of. And you get rid of them before the combat is resolved. So if you attack an enemy that has a, a defense value of 10 and you're attacking with 11 strength total, you then roll the, the die and you, you get two skulls. You're going to have to remove two units, which is at least two strength. Your attack is now going to fail. And those cards you get rid of, you actually, they're out of your deck. They go back into the draw piles. So you even have to buy them again if you really want them. So once you've taken your actions, you've attacked stuff, you've bought stuff maybe, you've done some other interesting things, and you're going to discard your whole hand. 
You also have those city cards you have attacked. When you attack a city card or a stronghold card, you play it in front of you. Each turn you could tap those cards and they give you some number of influence points. You could use those influence points to buy other stuff. So you spend your turn, you've attacked, you've bought, and you've bought some more. And you discard any cards you have left that you didn't use. You draw up five new cards and then you draw an event card from the event deck. Either you resolve it right away, usually it's stuff like it attacks you, but sometimes the cards could do some other things like they might be beneficial. A few of them are. After you finished resolving the event card, if you had used up any cards in that event phase, you draw back up to five again, and then you do the next turn. So you keep playing the game like this. You keep playing until either your homeworld's taken 20 damage, or you have defeated with the goal of the scenario is. The way your homeworld takes damage is generally from the event decks. The way the homeworld takes damage is from the event decks. From the event cards. Different cards will... If the card attacks you, if it's an event card that attacks you directly, if you cannot defend the full strength of the attack, anything but which you fail to defend by is damaged your homeworld. Your homeworld. So, if, for example, you get attacked for 10 points worth of damage and you only have 6 points to defend with, the remaining four go into your homeworld. So you now have got four points of damage, 60 more, and you lose the game. And so that's a very simplified explanation of the game. The rule book isn't very big. It is a fantasy flight game, though, so the, the rules tend to be confusing when you read them through the first time. And I don't think fantasy flight game rule books are often laid out that well. I find this one a little bit annoying in that I have to go to the end of the book to figure out what cards to use for the scenario and, and any special rules that apply to the scenario and then flip to the front of the book to remind myself what cards I need to... how many cards I set up the game with. Now, I've played this game, I think, about 13 times so far since since I started playing it. When I'm going to do a show, I'll try and play the game I'm going to talk about as much as I can. Depending on the game, sometimes it's pre pretty big. I can only play it three or four times, unfortunately. Some of the games I could play a lot more if they're smaller. This is a game that I was able to play a lot. I played, I think, at least half of my games are using the basic scenario. Well, probably maybe like 10 of my games have been the basic scenario. And a few with the advanced scenario that comes in the base set. I also played one game or two games of a custom scenario made actually by one of our listeners, Brian Sterk, also known as Telangard. And this scenario is um, it's a Civil War scenario. And basically that lets you use rules that are designed for the multiplayer game in the solitaire game, which is, and it was a front scenario. I think that the version I've played is an early draft, so it's still work in progress. The game, the scenario needs to become a little bit harder, but playing through it, it's obviously, it is a fun scenario, and I think it'll, once he's finished tweaking it, it'll be pretty good. I look forward to trying it more. And, oh, that reminds me, I was supposed to tell you about Telling Guard's Geek List. I should have mentioned this in the news or earlier on in the show. He has created a geek list of computer AIs he's made for board games. I'm going to include links to this in the show notes. He's got AIs for different games, which basically allow him to play the game solitaire, even when they're not necessarily solitaire games. You should check out the geek list. Not all these AIs are actually available for somebody to download. I think only one of them is. But he does use them for lunchtime gaming. It's a neat idea. It's definitely worth something worth looking more into. Okay, now back to our regularly scheduled game. So I mentioned that the game brings four different armies, four different races. Each of them play a little bit differently, and they each have different strength, strengths and weaknesses. 
So the four races are the Latari Elves, the Dakan Lords, the Wykar the Undyne, and the and the Uthluk Galan, or Lan, or something like that. They each have a different feel. The Elf cards tend to have more influence. The other three are, are good at combat, but in different ways. For example, White Card the Undyne lets you pull cards from your discard pile back directly into the into your hand, or into combat and during a turn. There's two scenarios that are solitaire playable in the core game. The first one is called Resurgence of the Dragon Lords. It's a pretty basic scenario. With the elves, it's kind of hard to beat, and it's sort of hit or miss. With the other three races, it's pretty easy to win it. It's kind of a, a learning scenario, really. The second one that's solitaire playable is called the Cataclysm. This one is much, much harder. It's hard to win. The cards, the event cards, are all just generally much more vicious. Also, the the first scenario plays much quicker. I think you could play it in fifteen to twenty minutes all the way through. The other one could take 30 to 40 minutes, I think. Now, the game also brings other cards that aren't necessarily identified to be used with any specific scenario. But when you set up the game, you have the armies you could buy that are your own cards for whatever race you picked. And there's also a few... New, you also set up three neutral... three different types of neutral cards. The, the three neutral cards you pick depend on which specific scenario you're playing... But there's other neutral cards, so if you want to try and trade them out, maybe pick some at random or or just choose a different one just to change the flavor of the game, you can do that. Besides that, there's also an expansion available for the game now. I think it came out earlier this year. It might have come out last year. I'm actually not sure. It came out last year. 2012. It's called Rune Age, Oath, and Anvil. This expansion brings two more races, uh, dwarves and elves. No, I'm sorry. It brings two more races, dwarves and orcs. And again, each of these plays differently from the other races in the core game and from each other. It also brings more unit card types. And it brings event cards to add and more neutral cards to add to the games. So between all the extra cards in the in the base set and all the stuff in the expansion, there's actually quite a lot of variety in the game, which is pretty neat. Now, the expansion doesn't have any more solitaire-friendly scenarios. That's a shame. It brings two, but they're from multiplayer games. But what I'm finding in this game is there's a lot of variety. There's a lot of replayability in it because you could change things up and try out different things a lot. And that, you know, and that's pretty neat. For example, the Resurgence of the Dragon Lord scenario. It brings a set of event cards you could use to replace some of the event cards that come with a basic scenario. And it brings other event cards you could add. If you use the replacement cards... It makes the scenario more difficult. If you add the other cards, not only does it make it difficult, but it makes the scenario longer. The card quality, design style, and all that is pretty standard Fantasy Flight Games quality. The setup time for the game is pretty quick. It's probably five minutes. It always feels like it's going to take a long time to set up because there's so many cards to go through, but still it does set up quickly. Now what it did to help me out a little bit is I got little Ziploc bags and I keep each of the races in a different bag. So when I'm going to go play, I just pick one of the races out, and I have all his cards there, and then I pick up the other cards that I need for the scenario. So there you go, that's Rune Age. Um, I really have enjoyed playing this game a lot. I've, like I said, I've played a bunch of scenarios of it. I don't feel like I've played the game out at all. There's a whole bunch of stuff I still really haven't tried. For example, I, I have not played... Well, I have mostly played the first scenario, the introductory scenario, 
I have not played it through that much with all the cards from the expansion. I have played it with the expansion races, but again, only with the basic cards. So there's a lot of things I could do there. I haven't tried it with the different neutral cards that you could trade in and out. The Cataclysm scenario, the harder one, I have only played it twice. Once using one of the basic races and just the basic cards just before I had the expansion. And then once tonight with one of the expansion armies and the expansion cards added in there. And again, I still haven't traded any of the uh, neutral cards in or out, so I haven't tried that. I've only played the uh, the Civil War scenario ones created by by Brian Sturck. I am looking forward to trying that one more, as that was pretty neat. It added some extra layers of complexity, which were fun. So this is a pretty good game. It, I really had a lot of fun with it. I look forward to seeing more. I don't know if Fantasy Flight Games is going to add more to this game. They definitely could. I think this is a good candidate for their print-on-demand service. For example, they could add more scenarios using and do a print-on-demand scenario-only expansion. And I would not at all be surprised if that sort of thing happened. I did ask them if they had any more plans for Rune Age when I emailed them. They totally side-skirted that question. Um, not surprises. They don't seem to really give a lot of information ahead of time unless it goes on their website. Well, that reminds me, when I emailed them, they did say, they did point me to that document on BGG. However, they said they do not endorse it. I'm not sure what that means since they did tell me about it. That's sort of an endorsement right there, isn't it? But yep, that's Rune Age, a game I've tried, I've played a few times and I've enjoyed it a lot. I'm very happy with it. And I would recommend giving it a try. Alright, we'll see how soon my next episode is. And enjoy your solitaire gaming month. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek or you can email me at OnePlayerAlbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek list on BoardGameGeek or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons Non-commercial, share-alike license. Thanks for listening.